Can we have the lights up again, please? Great, thank you very much indeed. We're going to start with a game, and uh, a word game. If I can remember to turn my torch off, here we go. So we're going to start with a word game, and uh, so what we need is if you're sitting beside someone, then uh, one of you is going to be the describer of the word, and the other person, please be the guesser. And if perhaps uh, you want to do some end of the row or behind or in front of you. So um, we're going to have two rounds. And uh, if you're sitting near someone, tell her to them, tell them your name, and decide who's going to be the person who describes and who's going to be the person who guesses. So it's about describing a word without saying the word so that a person can guess it. So can you find someone perhaps close enough to you to be able to hear you through a muffled mask? It'll be, it'll be fairly easy, but uh, maybe give a name to each other or even introduce yourself be better rather than call each other names and uh, decide who's going to close their eyes first and who's going to describe first. Okay, so the person who's going to close eyes, please close your eyes. Okay, eyes closed, and here's the first word up on the screen. Brilliant. Okay, and that word will now go. And see if you've got about five, ten seconds. See if you can describe that word without saying the word and get the other person to guess. Off you go. Everyone got it? Okay, everyone get it? Okay, it's light. Well done. Okay, other person, close your eyes. Go the way around this time. And uh, here comes the word up on the screen. And now the word's going to go. Okay, off you go again, please. Okay, brilliant. Anyone get it? Slightly more tricky, this one. It's life. Okay, well done. Tricky at the best of times, but definitely tricky when you've got a few layers of mask on as well. Okay, now a question. What is the longest word in the English language? I hear some, I hear some mumblings of it, I think. Anti-disestablishmentarianism is often the word that's quoted, 28 words. Uh, Wikipedia gives um, various different answers. Uh, here's another one that it gives as a possible, uh, the second one. Um, we won't put all the letters up. It begins with Matthew Nile, and I won't say it all because it would take between two and three hours to say the word because this word has 190,000 letters and it is the chemical description of the longest protein, Titan. It's a pretty big word. But here is my favorite candidate for the longest word in the English language. The next one, please. Smiles, anyone know why? Because there's a mile between the two S's. Oh, that's a terrible one, isn't it? So, the start of John's gospel is all about it's about taking words and stretching them beyond what they can actually do. And when we do that as human beings, we tend to resort, resort to poetry. And John's gospel starts with this poetic summary of what John's gospel is all about. And 
John is taking words. John is the close friend of Jesus, the apostle. He's writing about 90 AD, uh, about 60 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he is trying to describe the indescribable. And so he's taking words and he's really, he's stretching them beyond where they can go. And he knows that he's trying to describe the indescribable. He's trying to describe what's happened in his life because he, a former fisherman, has experienced in the middle of his life a new birth. His life was utterly changed and his life was utterly transformed. And it was all by the Word of God. And so he writes this piece of poetry and he wants to talk about the fact that it wasn't just him that was transformed. This transformation is about the transformation of all things. This series that we're in at the moment is called All Things New. Notice it's not called All New Things. And the reason why it's not called All New Things is because God is in the restoration business. He's not in the replacement business. So God didn't look at creation in the midst of its mess. He didn't look at our lives in the midst of our mess and say, you know what? I'm just going to start again because it's not worth the bother. If that was what God did, this series would be called All New Things. And you and I would have been scrubbed as plan A that didn't work. But God's not about replacement. God's about renovation. God's about renewal. God's about a new creation, which is why in the midst of the Bible, we turn to John's gospel, and John is basically saying, this is all about renewal. This is about God speaking afresh by his word into his creation that he brought about in the first place by speaking creation into being. And that's why John chooses to echo the words of another poem, the poem that begins the start of Scripture itself in Genesis 1. A poem that has pattern and pattern about evening and morning, the first day and the second day. And what Genesis does is Genesis builds up towards a crescendo, towards a pinnacle, and that is the creation of human beings on the sixth day. And what John is saying is that God has spoken afresh and there's this brand new aspect of creation. And again, it's building up, it's building up. And throughout John's gospel, there's this theme of days on the first day, on the third day, on the next day. And what John is saying is the days roll through until the sixth day. And what happens on the sixth day? Jesus stands before Pontius Pilate and basically realizes here is the man. Here is the man unlike any other man. And so all John's gospel again is building up towards this pinnacle and saying here is the brand new creation brought about by God's word. And it's a human being and he has a name and his name is Jesus Christ. And so John writes, I think we have the verse coming up. as one before that, I think. Um, Is it John 20, verse 31? There you go. Uh, That you may have believed 
Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's why John writes his whole gospel. And so there's the next one is Genesis chapter 1, and it's all about, as you can see, there's the Word of God. God speaks, and he brings light, and he brings life. And then in John chapter 1, the next verses that come up, again, it's all about God speaking. And so John says, in the beginning was the Word. It's all about God speaking again. And what does God speak into being? He speaks into being light, and he speaks into being life. Genesis chapter 1 is all about God speaking light and life. John chapter 1 begins with all the same themes. So if we go on to the next slide, please, we'll see that John wanted to make sure that the words that he chose in this poem were as impactful as possible. And so what he did was he, he chose this Greek word logos, and logos means the word. And for the Jewish people, this was a very powerful word. It was packed with meaning. And so for the Jews, they would have thought immediately of the Old Testament and what the word was in the Old Testament. And so there were verses like, if we could have the next one, please. Um, God's word is now how he, uh, I'll turn around. The screen's here, unfortunately, here off. God's word is how he acts within his creation. And so by the word of God, uh, the starry hosts were brought into being. So what the Old Testament is saying is that when God speaks, that's how he acts in creation. The Jews would have also thought of the next verse as well in Isaiah chapter 40. The fact is that God's word is eternal. And then the next verse in Isaiah, later on in Isaiah, speaks about the fact that God's word brings life. It brings about budding and it brings about flourishing in the world. And so for the Jew, they would have understood God's word is eternal. God's word is how God works in creation. And God's word also brings life. And so for the Jewish readers of John's gospel, they would have realized what the logos, the word, was all about. It was the wisdom. It was the law. It was God's presence in the temple. It just summed up everything in the Old Testament. And yet John wasn't just writing to Jews, he was also writing to Gentiles, Greeks. And in Greek philosophy for hundreds of years, there'd been this concept that there was something creating order in the cosmos. There was something creating order in the, in the stars and the planets and in human lives. And what the Greek ph philosophers said was, well, this is, it's the divine word that does this. It's the divine word that is a principle of rationality and reason that makes sense of everything and keeps everything in order. And what John is saying very boldly at the beginning of this, this poem, at the beginning of this gospel, and he's saying to the Jews, everything that you understand about God and how he works in creation, and saying to the Greeks, everything you understand about Greek philosophy, understanding the cosmos and how everything fits together and how everything has order, well, it's all summed up in this reality of logos, the Word of God. And 
the thing that people understood at that time, and we still understand now, is that when someone speaks, their words are part of them. They're integral to who they are. We, we move our diaphragm, the air goes over our vocal cords, we speak, we're expected to stand by our words, to mean what we say and, and, and say what we mean. And so the idea is that when someone speaks, that their words are actually part of them, and yet they're distinct from them. And so what John is saying is that this word is divine because it is spoken by God, and yet it, He is distinct. He is both God, and yet He is distinct. He is the Word of God. And so John is trying to describe the indescribable. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And we're left thinking, my goodness, how can this be? But what John is saying is the Word of God is divine, and yet the Word of God is distinct. And so when we encounter God, we encounter God's Word. We encounter the Word of God. And yet what John is saying is this, to all who are reading his gospel, here's the amazing thing. The Word through whom the universe was created, the Word that is eternal, the Word that brings life, the Word by which God acts in his creation, has been made flesh. And so we have John 1:14, an astounding claim, an astounding truth. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only. No, that's not the verse. That's a different verse. That's 1 John 5. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the one, glory of the one and only. He came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is John 1:14. It's an amazing statement of truth that the Word of God became a human being. And we'll see in John's Gospel how John builds up to give the identity of Jesus. But right at the very start, he tells us that this Word is a man, a Jew, the Jewish Messiah, whose name is Jesus Christ. The Word has become flesh and has made his dwelling among us. And John's life was utterly transformed by encountering Jesus. I am here today and imagine you here today because our life has been transformed by Jesus Christ. He has stepped in and has illuminated our lives with his light and he has transformed our lives with his presence. And in that place, everything falls into place as we hear his truth and understand his truth and realize that the truth of God is a person and he wants to relate to us personally. So I, I simply want to ask two questions this morning at the start of this whole series on John. The first question is this, have you encountered and accepted the word of God who is Jesus Christ? Have you accepted him into your lives? Because John writes his gospel that we may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that by, by believing we will receive him into our lives 
and we will have eternal life. We will have new life. It is an amazing thing to accept Jesus Christ into our lives. And in the midst of darkness and despair and fear and anxiety and lack of purpose and disunity comes the eternal word of God that just lights everything up in our lives and makes sense of everything. He brings forgiveness, he brings hope, he brings mercy, he brings healing. But you will only ever discover that if you believe in him and invite him into your life. And the second question is this, are you continuing to receive the life-giving word of God? Because when God speaks to us, he doesn't just speak once. He continues to speak into our lives. And he wants to bring freedom. He wants to bring life and hope and healing and peace and joy and fullness of life. He wants us to keep our ears open and our hearts open and be continually refreshed and continually renewed by his word. So I want to encourage us, either for the first time or perhaps for the thousandth time, to say, Lord, I'm open again to what you're saying to me. I need, I need your word. I need your truth. I need Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. So perhaps if you're here this morning and you've never, you've never said, to the Lord, I, I believe, then I want to invite you in the quietness to say, Lord, I believe in you. And just pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the, is the word of God. He is your very voice. He is your very communication to me. Lord, I believe and I receive, and I receive the Spirit of Jesus Christ today. Make me new. Lord, all the, all the darkness in my life, illuminate it and fill me with your light and give me a new life by the presence of Jesus Christ in me that I may live according to your will and your way with your hope and your strength and your peace and your joy. Lord, I believe and I receive in the name of Jesus. And this morning, for those of us who have been on this journey and have received months or years or decades ago, this morning, Lord, we just want to pray again, Lord, we we want to receive a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit, a fresh breath of your goodness. And Lord, the, the hardness or brittleness or darkness that we've allowed to come into our souls, we pray, Lord, you would illuminate it and you would give fresh strength and fresh joy today. We receive again, we believe. Lord, come life-giving word of God, Jesus Christ. Fill us, refresh us, renew us, and restore us. And Lord, thank you 
that your desire is not to say, there's nothing that can be done. We thank you there's always hope. And no matter what's in our past, who we are or what we've done or where we've been, Lord, we thank you that we can come today and say, Lord, come, receive me as I receive you. And all this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.